Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers are one victory away from going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 10 years. On Sunday, the Packers will play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. And it is a matchup made in football heaven. Brady versus Rodgers. Welcome again to another Packers podcast. And thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for what we hope are four scintillating quarters of fun. Hello, Rob. (laughs) That is is your best (laughs) intro by a mile this year. You, You are NFC championship game ready, Gary. Well, it didn't have to do much, right? <laughs> I mean, the standard exactly, the bar wasn't exactly high. Please. It, it was already like it, you know, 20 foot for the uh, for the high jump already for you, Gary, and you cleared it and then some. All right. We're off to a roaring start. <laughs> hey, uh, Rob, before we delve into uh, Sunday's Packer Bucks game, let's regress a little bit and chat about last Sunday's uh very convincing victory over the Rams. Uh, specifically, I want to talk about two things. Uh, what impressed you the most about the Packers' victory and also the fans that were in attendance. But uh, let, let, let's start, start out about, uh, with your takes and uh, what really made an impression with you about the Packers. Yeah, I mean, almost everything, Gary. I mean, it, it really is a group that's peaking here coming down the stretch and playing, you know, their best football, the – the final four, six, seven weeks of the year here in the midst of this win streak. Now, I think that hit what seven now um, the other day They're they're playing terrific football top to bottom. Uh, Gary, I thought Tennessee had been maybe their most complete game of the year when they blew out the Titans a few weeks back. I think this rivals it Gary, when, you know, when you look, it was almost two to one in total yards, 484 to 244. Green Bay ran the ball remarkably well, Gary. I, I wasn't sure they could run it all to the tone of almost 200 yards, but you know, they, they had 188 on the ground the other day, double the Rams. The Rams had 96. Rogers was incredibly sharp. Uh, Gary, he had, you know, 296 net passing yards. The Rams had 148. So again, there, there it's two to one. It felt like a tight game, and it really was up until the the late touchdown to Lazard at 25-18, but it really was also a game, Gary, that had the feel of Green Bay being in control from from start to finish. Never trailed, had a two-score lead for a good chunk of that game. It just – it felt like, uh, you know, once the Packers were up 19-10 at halftime, Gary, and, Mm -hmm. you know, then got the early touchdown in the third quarter on the Jones run to go up 25-10, I I just – I felt they were in control kind of throughout – and um, I know the Rams were beat up. They took a huge hit before the game started with, with, with Cup being uh, declared out. That, that, that's their number one receiver. Aaron Donald was a shell of himself. Um, we talked about that last week on the podcast. What could you expect out of Aaron Donald? They didn't get a whole lot there, Gary. And this is the best player on defense in football. This is Reggie White, in, you know, is, is the easiest way to put it for Packer Nation. It's, it, it's the best defensive player of a generation and he was at best 50 percent um of of himself Goff impressed me a little bit on that side Gary throwing the ball as well as he did with the broken thumb you know but 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 for the most part for Green Bay to put up the better part of 500 yards and 200 on the ground against the number one defense in football was was remarkably impressive and 
again, no turnovers from the Packers. Special teams didn't didn't help them, Gary, but didn't hurt them either. And and that's all you're asking right now out of your special teams in Green Bay. Don't don't hurt you on a, on a, on a given Saturday or Sunday. So, Gary, I, I would certainly say this was in their top two to three games of the season, which you need it to be when you're in the playoffs. And um, they're going to have to have a, an effort very similar to that on, on Sunday to knock off Tampa Bay. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, the one, the one thing I, I thought was huge, though, was uh, Jenkins' uh, play on Donald. And, and you're absolutely right that uh, Donald was banged up and, and he was a shell of himself. But nevertheless, great players somehow make great plays under adverse circumstances. And Donald is basically a non-factor the whole game. I, I thought Jenkins did a great job. And then when they moved Donald around a little bit, uh, the other side of the uh, offense line did a nice job. And I, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, Rob, I, I felt the Packers were going to win that game, uh, you know, the days leading up to it. And then when I heard that Cup was going to be out, I go, all right, it's on to the uh, NFC Championship game. They, they, they could ill afford to lose a player of his caliber. And, uh, you know, to me, that, that was the game before the game even started. Gary, Green Bay has caught break after break. Uh, in, in the Matt LaFleur era when it comes to injuries. Now, now kudos to LaFleur. He has found a way to keep his guys extremely healthy the last two seasons. It's one of the reasons he's 28 and seven now as a head coach. And think about that, Gary, 28 and seven. He's won yeah. 80% of his football games. It's, it's remarkable. But the one thing Mike McCarthy could never do in his time in Green Bay or the overwhelming majority of the years, Gary, is, is keep his football team healthy. And, and LaFleur has done that. This marked the seventh time in 17 games this year that Green Bay faced a team where the number one wide receiver was out. Think mm. about that. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a remarkable statistic. And you know, I think they had the Milwaukee Bucks or what? Yeah, no, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, you know, I know Green Bay's down Bakhtiari, but comparatively speaking on a week-in, week-out basis, uh, the opponent has had four five, six guys out. And the Packers have had one, maybe two uh, in, in terms of starters, Gary. Mm -hmm. And um, now in all likelihood, they're going to see a very healthy Tampa Bay team on Sunday. So that's, you know, that that's going to change a little bit. I know Antonio Brown is, is beat up a little bit there and went, you know, had an MRI on his knee on, on Monday and um, they, they've got a couple other dings, but, but they actually might even be getting more healthy with, with the nose tackle coming back. So we'll see on that, but green Bay Gary is, you mentioned cup. I mean, by, by Donald being a shell of himself, Gary, that that's almost like taking Zadarius Smith and Jair, Jair Alexander away from green Bay. I mean, he, yep, he is that no impactful. Question. It's like taking, you know, Kenny Clark and, Adrian Amos away or something. It's, it, it's a two for one deal. I mean, that that's how good he is. And, and by him being relegated to largely just running in there for 40 plays and just standing up and, and trying to get a draw on his blocks. I mean, again, you mentioned it credit to Jenkins credit to Lucas Patrick, who both had solid games against him, but, but that was more a doing of, of Aaron Donald being, you know, absolutely shot in that game. And, um, you know, the last time they saw Aaron Donald, Gary, in 2018, in, in a game out in, in L.A. at the Coliseum, Donald had two and a half sacks and five pressures. Uh -huh. and, and yesterday or on, on Saturday, he had one tackle and I think one pressure maybe. But for the most part, again, he, he was just a non-factor. And, and when you added it up, um, Cup being out, Donald being out, 
they, they announced a guard that was out right before kickoff, a, an ex-Badger named David Edwards. They, 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 were, they were pretty beat up, and Green Bay was certainly the more healthy team, probably the more physical team through that game, Gary, and just top to bottom, the better team. Yeah, yeah you know what? Even though I felt uh, really good about the Packers' chances before the game, Early in the game, Donald's frustration boiled over, and he got, you know, assessed that penalty. And then uh, a short while later, uh, there was some more chirping on the on the Rams' side, and it, it was a house divided. You you could see the cards were falling apart and uh, coming down. And to me, it was over. I mean, it was like the Packers game to lose. I mean, th- there's no way the Rams were going to beat them. But uh, the other thing that, well, two other things that you know stood out for me was the play of uh, Mr. Gary, who just seems to get better and better by the game. And, you know, the Packers have been looking for like a playmaker on defense and, and impact players, somebody that can come up with a huge play. And I'll, I'll tell you what, he, he made a couple big-time plays. And uh, you can just see this guy's got a chance to be, you know, something truly special. They're going to be in salary cap hell come March. And it's going to be a real easy decision, I think, to move on from Preston Smith and save yourself an awful lot of money there because, like you said, the play of of Rashawn Gary. Uh, Four and a half pressures the other day. What was it, a sack and a half, maybe two sacks in in that football game is is what he had. Undoubtedly, one of the huge keys to Green Bay, they're a better team in 2020 than they were in 2019, which, which I didn't think was going to happen, Gary largely because they, they kind of punted on last April's draft in terms of immediate help. But when you think about it, when you look to that 2019 draft now, and they took Gary in round one, they took Savage in round one, and they took Jenkins in round two. I mean, Perfecta. three for three, and he got probably three of the best 12 to 15 players today on his roster. I mean, mm-hmm. that's – he. he they, they found themselves three immediate starters, in essence, or second-year starters that absolutely upgraded the spots that they, that they are taking over. And I know Gary is kind of splitting time there with Preston Smith and the snaps having, you know, maybe always lined up because they do have three really good outside linebackers. I mean, but Jenkins is already a pro bowler. Savage is heading in that direction. And, and you mentioned Rashawn Gary. He's, he, he's been an unbelievably pleasant surprise for them. I mean – his, his position coach, Gary, a guy named Mike Smith, who's as vocal and outgoing as, as they get, um, has been asked about him three, four, five times through the course of the season. And, and, and Gary, it, it, it's almost like a father gushing about his son who's a four-time letter winner in basketball or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a dad who's, who's fawning over his daughter who got a 4.0 GPA. I mean, this the guy. father whose girl goes to the state tennis tournament. There. There you go. That's <laughs> we might know someone who fits that category someday, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, no, no, no doubt about it, Gary. I mean, it, it, he is. They love him in that organization because he he doesn't take a day off of work. He doesn't take a playoff on the practice field. Um, he doesn't take a rep off in the weight room. Um, and, and that was always the the book on Gary coming out of Michigan. I mean, he everybody down there raved about his work ethic and, and how tireless he was. It was, it was, could he get it on some of these other levels? Could he make the position change? 
Um, could he actually finish around the quarterback? Could he understand an NFL defense because he is fighting dyslexia and it, and it affects him from time to time in the mental side of the game? Clearly all those answers are yes. And we kind of talk about X factors in, in the playoffs and stuff like that. And, and I wrote a thing last week, Gary, where I mentioned three X factors possible for the Packers and, and Rashawn Gary was one of them. And, and he played to that level um, on Saturday against the Rams. They, they need those guys, um, you know, two, three, four unsung heroes at this time of the year in every one of these football games to jump up. And uh, Rashawn Gary certainly did that in, in the Rams game. You know, the one thing about Gary, and I, I realized that when they drafted him and they passed out all the uh, notes and all the information on him, but he weighs 277, according to the uh, program. Now, whether he weighs more or less, you know, who knows, but 277 pounds linebacker. I, I was trying to think uh, while you were talking about who has ever played linebacker at that weight. I mean, it's, it's amazing. That, that's a lineman's weight, not a, not a linebacker's weight. Yeah, can you think of anybody off the top of your head who's weighed more playing linebacker? So the, about the only guy that jumps to mind is Mike Neal, who was a Packer about a decade ago. And, and when they drafted him, Gary, he was in the you know better part of 300 pounds coming out of Purdue. Huge, unbelievably muscular kid. I mean, big weightlifter. Yeah. But they they wanted him later on to be a stand up outside in the three you know in the three four they they tried him on the edge then they moved him outside at one point later on in his career and and they asked him to drop about twenty pounds and I think then he got into the mid two seventies as well when when they asked him to make that that position change at at one point but no you're right I mean Rashawn Gary could have been an outstanding. Uh, defensive end in a four, three system. The Packers mm-hmm. took a major, I mean, that's what he was in Michigan. He, you know, he, he, he was a, he was an end in a four, three, and he was actually called an anchor end there, Gary. They asked him to take on double team blocks all the time, gobble people up and then let guys flow to the ball and make tackles. So that's why his stats coming out of Michigan weren't particularly great and didn't turn a lot of heads, but the Packers looked at him and said, they think they could turn him into a standup outside linebacker um, which they obviously have done here. I, I wasn't sure a year ago. In fact, I didn't think it was going to work whatsoever. Um, I, him, I agree. I totally agree. Him dropping five, 10 pounds, going to play, going to play stand up in a three, four versus putting his hand on the ground and chasing quarterbacks. I, I didn't think it was going to work Gary, but, but it clearly has now. Now he's never going to, you know, he's, he's never going to stand out in terms of coverage or anything like that. They're not going to ask him to, you know, to, to go cover tight ends, but, but he's, he's going to get, he's going to get after quarterbacks. I think the next eight, nine, 10 years where to, to the level where, where he's going to be a Packer fan favorite here for a number of years coming, Gary. Yeah. Speaking of big men uh, on Monday, the Buccaneers said they were going to act meet of a, and, uh, out of curiosity, again, I looked up some info, information on him, and uh, they list him, Rob, at uh, 347 pounds. Oh. And, and I'm thinking, like, 347 pounds. My God, that's that's crazy. And then I was thinking, like, okay, is there a bigger defensive tackle in the NFL? And so I go through the Packers roster, and lo and behold, our, our good friend Snacks, Comes in at 350. <laughs> Can you imagine that? 347, 350, and uh, 
I think there's another guy in the Packers roster that might even be 350. Um, yeah, you're but, talking 700 pounds of nose tackle there, Gary. That's th- 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 those are some big men. Yeah, well, I mean, long gone are the days when you had 260 pound defensive tackles. <laughs> yeah, Gil- Gilbert Brown at you know 310 would be yeah. an undersized nose these days, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just unfathomable that a guy could be 350 pounds <laughs> and be somewhat athletic. So, anyways. Moving along here, um, you were working the game last Sunday at Lambeau Field, and uh, you wrote a, wrote a great piece in uh, Forbes.com on the fans' impact. Uh, there were, what, somewhere around 8,000 fans, I believe, give or take. And, uh, you know, for, for those of us who were watching at home, it seemed like the place was electric. Uh, what was it like being there? Gary, you've been in that Lambeau press box enough. I mean, the, the press box is – is kind of morgue-like. It, 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 it's funeral-esque. It, it's quiet. And, and and there are random Sundays, Gary, through the year, you know, a, maybe a Sunday against the Lions in November or something like that, where that stadium doesn't get that loud either. And 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 you can barely hear the fans up in the press box um, just based on, based on the game, based on the opponent, based on the magnitude maybe of the contest. Gary, there were about 8,500 people there. And, and from the second the Rams ran out of that tunnel, you could hear the fans screaming for, you know, even up in the press box. And, and again, sometimes it's, it's hard to hear everything from down in the stadium, but they made so much noise, Gary, from in essence, the start of the game there when the Rams came out all the way through three hours later, um, it, they were spread out. They were in the lower bowl. Um, they kind of alternated row for row, and then they would put your kitty corner inside those rows. So it kind of made like a zigzag, a Z going back and forth all the way up and down. But, but Gary, from, from start to finish, I mean, they, they, they were so loud. I mean, it, Goff had a hard time, the Rams quarterback at, at, at various points hearing, you know, uh, getting some of the plays called or certainly changed at the line of scrimmage. Um, the, the fans had some kind of poster boards handed out to them that they were banging and beating on through the course of the game. The Packers from top to bottom, Gary, all said afterwards what a jolt it gave them and, and how much they missed these people. And, you know, I, I, I think in today's sports world, you know, I think these athletes for the most part take the fans for granted and, and have in a lot of sports for a lot of years. I, that's not going to be the case maybe with some of these guys moving forward. This, this last year for, for some of these guys, it has been hard to play uh, w- w- without these fans and, and Lambo Gary, Alan Lazard said afterwards, 9,000 felt like 90,000. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but it, it felt like 50,000. These people were loud and vocal start to finish screaming MVP later on for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, if, if, if the Packers did need a jolt at any point in time in the, in that game, and, and I'm not sure they did because like you and I already talked about, they were in control, but the fans were certainly there to give it to them. It, it, it was nice to see. It's nice to see they're going to do it again coming up for the NFC championship game. Um, these first responders, these nurses, these, these medical people certainly deserve a chance to go to a game like that for the season ticket holders that, um, have kind of said from the start of the year, they were all in on this. They're getting rewarded now too. So, um, Gary, it went extremely well. I think from a distancing standpoint, from a, you know, avoid COVID type of standpoint where I think they could pull off a few more fans this Sunday. I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the number is going to be similar again. 
but they could certainly try it in the top bowl if they wanted to. It, it doesn't sound like they're going to go in that direction, Gary, but, but last Saturday in that Rams game was a home run from a Packers standpoint on, in terms of the fans. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how cool would it have been to be a fan there? I mean, Lambeau Field has had some, you know, very memorable games over the years and, you know, going back to the ice bowl, et cetera. But, but if you're a Packer fan, and you were at that game, that, that's something that's going to be talked about for years and years to come. I mean, what a special time. And Gary, now let's multiply it by 50, yeah. you know, in terms of the magnitude of the contest and the unbelievable quarterback matchup we have coming this Sunday when Tom Brady and Tampa Bay come to face Rogers and the Packers. I mean, you're spot on. I mean, the, the Rams game there, for the divisional playoffs, the uniqueness of that day will be talked about for a long, long time. Um, you know, but if, if we have a similar number of fans and for the NFC championship game, and, and now, I mean, Gary, I was tracking this the other day and tracing this. I, I think in the history of NFC championship games, this will be the best quarterback matchup we've ever seen. I mean, there's, there's been some unbelievable ones, Montana and Aikman um, mm-hmm. in, in 92, um, Danny White in Montana, obviously in the catch game in the early eighties. Um, you've seen, you've seen Brett Favre against Steve Young throughout this. There, there have been an who, unbelievable. Who has Brady ever played against? I'm trying to think. Has Brady played against some Hall? Well, I'm talking, I'm talking just. So to me, the best quarterback matchup ever in a conference championship yeah, yeah. would certainly be Brady Manning. Um, over in the AFC, I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you're talking two of the five best players. Brady's the clearly the goat, the greatest player in the history of the game, and I, I would put Manning in the top three to five. So, mm-hmm. and they saw each other in conference title games a few times. Inside the NFC, though, Gary, when we start talking Rodgers Brady this week, um, I, I think you're talking about the greatest matchup ever of quarterbacks inside the National Football Conference in a championship game to go to the Super Bowl. It's it's just an unbelievable matchup. You, you can't write enough words. You can't say, you can't say enough things on, a, on the radio or in a podcast or on television about what's going to be coming Sunday. I mean, I, no matter how much hype is thrown at this matchup, Gary, honestly, I don't think it's enough. Yeah. It's to me the, as, as great of a matchup there you will ever see inside this conference. Yeah. You know what? Can you imagine if, if these were normal times, and, you know, they could fill up Lambeau Field. Can you imagine oh. what the price of a ticket would be for this game? I can't, yeah, because obviously anybody allowed to go to the game this week, it, it, they're not permitted to sell their ticket. Correct. Um, I, I would have to think, Gary, two grand. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. You're basically talking about Super Bowl prices, you know? Sure. You're or sure. You're, championship game. You know, you're, you're talking two, three months of rent for a kid who might sell his <laughs> ticket. You're talking a mortgage payment for a family. I mean, no, it's, it's unbelievable what you can get for a ticket for this game. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking if it's on the 50 Gary. Yeah. Hey, you, you were talking uh, just to go back for a second. You're talking about being in the press box and someday you and I are going to have to do a podcast on the greatest memories of being in a press box because some crazy things go on there. But I, I just remembered one of the first times that I was ever at Lambeau field for a game and I was all fired up. And uh, I sat, I mean, we had great seats. We sat in the front row uh, near the 50-yard line, right? And so I'm all settled in, and I turn around, and I hear this guy swearing, right? He's dropping F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. And I turn around, 
and it was Al Davis. <laughs> and, and for the next three hours or so, I heard more F-bombs than I have heard in my entire life. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, now, he, he, he had a sailor's mouth to say the that, word. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. Now, in Green Bay, they try to keep the media, the press guys, and I'll just let people in behind the curtain a little bit, yes. uh, all, in, all in one particular area, and then they send scouts and GMs and front office people into different suites around Lambeau Field. Now on the road, Gary, in Chicago, uh, places like that, there have been many times where I'll grab my seat and I'll look behind me and there's Ted Thompson or there's Brian yeah. Dittico, yeah. something like that. That's, that's always fun. Ted Thompson sat right next to me for the NFC championship game in Atlanta in 2016. And, um, you know, it, it was like someone continued to just shoot him in the heart time after time as Matt Ryan found Julio Jones for touchdown after touchdown. So, um, yeah, so it it is fun sometimes when you get positioned next to those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, one thing I'd like to do, and and we can make this relatively quick, um, we can go position by position and uh, you can lead the way and uh, let's start on the offensive side first. Okay. Well, we'll save the best till last. So, Yes. Let's just lump in the offensive line. Whose offensive line do you like better? Green Bay's dramatically. Yeah. I'm Tampa's is playing decent, mm-hmm. but green, green Bay might have arguably the best offensive line in, in football. And I mean, shockingly Gary, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. say they haven't missed a beat without Bakhtiari. Cause you know, I, I, I think Chicago got after him a little bit in week 17, but I'll tell you what, to the casual fan watching at home, there, there was no drop-off in the Rams playoff game from, from Billy Turner at left tackle to uh, from David Bakhtiari, and they held up extremely well inside too. So no, Green, Green Bay's offensive line's playing at a really high level. Um, Rodgers wasn't touched, no sacks. They ran for almost 200 yards. Um, I, I think Green Bay by quite a bit on the offensive line, Gary. Yeah, you, you know what? This Packer offensive line, when, when they had Bakhtiari, I thought kind of rivaled those of the Lombardi area where you had Kramer and, and uh, Forrest Gregg and some of those guys. This is a really good offensive line, but I, but I agree. They're, they're definitely better than Tampa Bay's. All right, let's uh, lump in the wide receiving or the receiving cores, wide receivers along with the tight ends. Who do you like there? Yeah, I'll take Tampa and, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, Tampa really has three number one wideouts on, on that roster, Gary. We'll see what's going on with Antonio Brown and that knee. Um, and Mike Evans has been beat up a little bit, but, but Gary, Mike Evans has been in the league seven years. He's eclipsed a thousand yards, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Godwin would be a number one in a lot of places. And then obviously Antonio Brown. I, I think, I think the stat there is Gary. He, he led the league in catches from 2012 through 18 before he started to have some problems. Um, and, and, I, and I know you've talked highly of him all season long, that he's a difference maker and a game changer, and, and he certainly can be. We'll see what that knee is like. But, I, I mean, I, I think Green Bay's secondary, Gary, is really good. But mm-hmm. I don't even know where you'd start in terms of, you know, if, if you're going to ask Jair Alexander to follow somebody and travel with somebody come Sunday, and I don't know that they will, but I don't even know which three of those guys you'd pick um, at least when they're all healthy, because again, all three are very high level players. Then Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, obviously is a hall of fame tight end. They've got another really good one in Cameron Brait, 
who you saw have a number of really important catches in that Saints game. Tom Brady doesn't care who who he throws to. Right. Um, he's gonna he's right. gonna throw to the open guy, and if that's Cameron Brate or if that's the rookie wide receiver out of Minnesota who had a huge catch in that in that Saints game, or it's the running backs, or it's it's the fourth wide receiver, which 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 is another really good one in Scotty Miller. Tampa's got it all in the passing game, Gary. They really do. Again, Green Bay's guys have been. You know, certainly we're, we're solid and a pleasant surprise, I think, on Sunday. But top to bottom, Green Bay doesn't match it. Okay. How about the running backs? I, I think this is kind of intriguing because I think both teams have, you know, a solid set of running backs. Yeah. I'll give Green Bay the edge by, by a nose, Gary. Um, I think this will be the, the best trio of running backs that you and I maybe see in Green Bay over – you know, let's say you and I each live another 40 years. This could be the best trio of running backs that the Packers have in that amount of time. I mean, Aaron Jones is a top five guy in football. Jamal Williams is probably going to start for somebody next year. And the Packers are going to give the keys to the car to AJ Dillon and, and ask him to try to become Derrick Henry or, or at least, you know, run the ball 250 times next season and, and see what happens. So no, Tampa's got a really good pair as well. Uh, you know, Ronald Jones pushed a thousand yards this year. Leonard Fournette was the number four pick in the draft four years ago. And, and he's playing, he's playing really, really well right now. He's had a great postseason so far, Gary, these first two games. But uh, I, I think Green Bay's depth top to bottom is better. I think Aaron Jones is the best player out of those five. So I'll, I'll give the nod there to Green Bay. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about great uh, running, running attacks. Uh, my my all-time favorite Packer running attack was – MacArthur Lane and John Brockington. Right. I mean, those two guys were absolute beasts. I mean, (laughs) you know, I remember as a young man, I should say, you know, watching those guys, and I just couldn't believe how good both of them were. I mean, these were elite running backs. And uh, you know what? I have no idea who the third running back on that team was, but it doesn't matter. They they were that good, you know? So – Okay, now we, now we come to the headliner, the QBs. Uh, this is an interesting – I'm curious to see uh, what you think about this. Well, obviously, Rodgers has had the better year. It's not like it's by leaps and bounds. I mean, Tom Brady threw 40 touchdowns, and he had a 102 passer rating this year, Gary, and he threw for 4,600 yards. Um, I mean, Brady had an unbelievable first year down there in Tampa. Rodgers was, was a little bit better through the course of the regular season. Gary, Tom Brady's the GOAT. I mean, he, he's the greatest player in the history of the game. You want to play a little trivia real quick? I'm ready. I'm going to bounce a couple things off you. I'm horrible at trivia, but fire away. <laughs> I, don't know how much, I don't know how much of this you looked at or studied over the last two days. I, I, I've been blown away by some of these stats, so I'm going to bounce them off of you real quick. Okay. Gary, Tom Brady has 32 wins in the playoffs. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's 32 and 11, which is a remarkable percentage. Joe Montana is second. How many wins does Joe Montana have in the playoffs? I'll say half that. I, I, I'm guessing 13, 16. You're, okay. You were right with half. Okay. When you, when you, if you would have stayed with half, you had it spot on. Think about that. Break. I get a half Play, a point on that. <laughs> playoff. You, you get a point. Playoff wins, Gary. He's right. got he's got number two doubled. All right. Yeah, I know that's phenomenal when you really think conference of it. championship games. Tom Brady's 
about to be in his 14th. Again, Joe Montana is second all time. How many for Joe? <laughs> Six? Seven. Brady's got a Brady's got the number two guy there doubled. I know. Okay? I know. Right. Rob, those numbers are incredible. It's, I mean, that's Babe Ruth kind of numbers. It's Hank yes. Aaron. It's it's so unbelievable, Gary. He's been in nine Super Bowls. The next quarterback's at five. So if he gets to another one here, he's got that double. Then that's Elway at five, who was two and three in those Super Bowls. Brady right now is six and three. Um, he's got the six Super Bowl wins. Nobody with more than four. Gary, here's the stat that might blow you away more than any. How many game-winning drives does Tom Brady have in playoff fourth quarter game winning playoff drives you know what i'm, I'm taking a pass i have no idea okay 14 14 wow. gary 14. there's only one other quarterback in nfl history that has more playoff wins and that's montana with 16 Four, 14 playoff winning drives then brady has fourth quarter game winning drives i mean aaron wow. Rodgers has two yeah. for, for comparative yeah. sake gary. yeah that's mind-boggling it is it, it, you know john elway is in second place with six so hey, can, I, they put, can they put him in the Hall of Fame now and forget about the delay? Just, just now, yeah, five <laughs> years ago, whatever, right. Uh, again, I, Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback in the history of the league. But I'll tell you what, in this particular football game, let's forget about everything else that's happened through 2020, right? Let's forget that Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns and all that and, and his passer ratings back in the 120s and all these things. If, if this game is tied, Gary, with four minutes to go, I want Tom Brady with the ball more than I want Aaron Rodgers with the ball. I, I just do. He's, he's proven it time and time again. He's, he, he's the, he's the all time goat in these situations, in these types of games, Aaron Rodgers has struggled in NFC championship games. He has not delivered at times down the stretch where you can just trace history and Brady has done it time after time after time. I think the quarterback matchup is extremely close but just based on who's going to be most clutch in this game, I would want Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, I, I have never seen a pro athlete in any sport have the composure and the laser vision that Tom Brady has in those situations. I mean, you can go back in time. I mean, Koufax was unbelievable, you know, when he, when he pitched in a World Series. or You can go right down the line. I mean, Bart Starr. Sure. But, but Brady is just – incredible he's like a robot it's like he's he's just so focused i remember the the game the other day uh somebody dropped a pass or ran around route wrong route and you could tell he was miffed and he he reacted and boom back in brady mode you know okay let's move on you know <laughs> and uh just just incredible concentration what he's proven this year too obviously we're going to remember bill belichick you know as the greatest coach football coach of certainly of this generation and arguably of all time i mean flip a coin between him and lombardi probably right um but what belichick has done in a salary cap era is is just remarkable but what brady has now done i think is put himself even a notch above belichick by by hitting team number two here yeah. and and already take in in you know he's been there what Gary, nine, 10 months in a strange, strange football season, and he has him a game from the Super Bowl. Um, you're, you're talking about a player here with 32 playoff wins, Gary. There's only four franchises in the history of the league that have more 
playoff wins than Tom Brady as a human, as, as an individual. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's just fascinating. Some of these numbers when, when I started to break them down the, the last day or two, and I'm a numbers dork, as you know, and, and these have just blown me out of the water. I mean, Brady's just that good in the playoffs. He, he's been unbelievably clutch in huge moments. And um, I'll tell you what, if, if I was one of the 9,000 fans at Lambeau, um, and I'll, I'll be at Lambeau Sunday, Gary, but if I was a fan uh, st- sitting in the crowd and that's a tie game and Brady gets the ball with 90 seconds left, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty freaking nervous because this, 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 this guy is <laughs> as good as we will ever see. It, it's, it's probably the worst possible draw Green Bay could have had. Um, I think Packer Nation should have been cheering for the Saints. I think they would have ran the Saints out of Lambeau. I think that was 31-13 or something like that if those teams matched up. I mean, Drew Brees is done. But now you, you, you've got a guy in Tom Brady who, who grew up in Michigan, uh, played 20 years in the Northeast. He knows how to handle snow, cold, rain, sleet, whatever nonsense is going to get thrown at him Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, Gary. It's, uh, it's an extremely tough matchup for the Packers. So, you know what, uh, we're, we're giving the offense line nod to the Packers, receiving court to the Buccaneers, the running backs to the Packers, and where, where are we throwing the quarterbacks? What, what's your... I'm, I'm giving it to Tampa Tom. Okay, so... Close. I mean, hey it's, hey, it's probably one and two in the league right now with Mahomes being dinged up a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm giving it to Tom just based on history. So, so far, two to two. Okay, now let's move over to the defense real quickly. Defensive line. Boy, I'm going to call – can I can I call it even or do I have to give somebody an edge? Nope, got to give somebody the edge. Let's give Tampa <laughs> a slight edge just based we on – We are the, tough critics here, Rob. No, 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 and, and that's more than fair. I mean, uh, a Packer Nation certainly knows uh, all about Sue and all his years with the Lions – causing trouble here in green Bay. He had another really good year for Tampa at that left defensive end spot with his six sacks and his, his 45 tackles. Um, You know, Golston on the other end is, is a really good player himself. The key there is Vita Vey. Can he come back from that broken leg and play already this Sunday? The fact Tampa activated him and and is going to give him a chance is uh, obviously good news for their camp. Boy, it, 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 this is a tricky one, Gary, because if Vitave plays to, and, and he plays even 80%, I mean, this is a Pro Bowl nose. This this is one of the, you know, three or four best nose tackles in football when he's on the field. If he plays, Gary, and he's 80% of what he normally was, Tampa gets the edge. If he doesn't play, I, I would give the edge to the Green Bay, which is why I asked if I could give it a push. But let's assume Vay's going to play. Um, they wouldn't have activated him maybe if, if, if he couldn't. And um, let, let's give a very, very slight edge there to Tampa. Okay, I'm on, I'm on board with that. Linebacking core, very, very interesting. I, I like both lineback, teams' linebackers, although personally I would give the edge to Tampa Bay. They, their inside linebackers uh, are as good as they get. Your and, and, you hit it, and you hit it, Gary. That's the difference. If we were just doing outside linebackers, Green Bay probably is better there. Um, these two inside guys, they have, you know, Devin White, the young kid out of LSU, Levante David, uh, kind of a veteran who's who's really still everywhere. These two guys fly around. Uh, Green Bay's weakest position, Gary, I would argue, is inside linebacker. And, um, you know, 
Tampa's still pretty good on the outside too. And they, they've, they've got the old giant JPP with 10 sacks, yeah. you know, Shaq Barrett led the league in sacks in 2019. I think he had 19 or 20 uh, that year, but, but these two inside guys are going to make it really, really tough for Aaron Jones to get going uh, in this football game. I mean, this Devin white just flies to the football gear. He had, he had 140 tackles and 18 tackles for losses um, this particular season. I mean, I, I think he runs about a four, four. I mean, the, the guy is just a burner. Most of the time you don't take an inside linebacker number five in the draft. That's where Tampa Bay took him a year ago mm-hmm. uh, or two now, two seasons ago, you know, and, and Levante David is, is just as consistent. And, and I mean, I, I'm sure he's played in a few pro bowls himself. He had 120 tackles this year. He's everywhere. He's had a great postseason. Um, so when, when you go four against four there, Gary, and on the inside linebacker or on the linebacker core, I give the edge to Tampa. And, and I totally agree. I mean, and the Packers, in my opinion, are going to have just a really tough time running the ball if Faye plays. Because we just talked about the two inside linebackers and if Faye plays up to anywhere close to his potential, going up the middle is, is going to be extremely difficult for the Packers and Aaron Jones. And they've got to find a way to run the ball in in this game. Mm-hmm. They might not get 188 like they did against the Rams because uh, again, I think Tampa's more healthy and and Tampa's linebackers are dramatically better than what the Rams put on the field uh, last Saturday. But they've got to find a way to you know, Tampa's the number one rush defense in football, Gary. I think they're about 80 yards a game. Green Bay's got to find a way to get in that. 115, 120, 125 range. Again, I, I don't see them, you know, coming close to that 200, for example, that they had against the Rams, but they're, they're going to have to find a way to average four yards a carry, chew up some clock from time to time and not put everything on the arm of Rogers. If, if this is one of those games, Gary, where, where they run the ball 23 times for 61 yards or something like that and, and put it all on Aaron Rodgers. um, it's this game's not going to look like it did when, when green Bay went down to Tampa, but Tampa's secondary is going to be able to sit on a lot of what Rogers does. And you could see, you know, a pick or two along the way. And, and obviously you got, you know, Aaron Rodgers extremely well. That's the last thing in the world he wants. I mean, Tampa got him twice in that game earlier this season uh, down there twice in a matter of what, two or three plays, I think it was. And uh, that green Bay cannot have that happen again. So, um, and, and I think did, didn't Tampa get breezed three times over the weekend. So for, for Tampa's secondary, Rob, not to Rob, jump some of these routes and, Sus- and, and Sussex Hamilton would have got three interceptions off of Drew Brees last week. <laughs> you are, you are spot on with that. Maybe five or six. I mean, you know what? Is- I, I, I love Drew Brees, one of my all time favorite football players, but he's got to retire. It, it, it's over. It's over. It probably was over after last year. And had they gone in a different direction, their roster was as good as anybody's in football, but breeze couldn't get them over the hump. Um, but, uh, you know, specifically back to this game, Gary, um, green, like you said, green Bay's got to find a way to run the ball consistently. Uh, I, again, I, I, I think you're going to see just a ton of Aaron Jones. You might not see a whole lot of AJ Dillon in this game. Um, especially after that fumble last week. Yeah, I, I, that, I would, sorry to interrupt you, but what oh, you're good. about playing a rookie in a situation like that? I it, it wouldn't be my pick if I was if I was the head coach. You have you have two fourth year uh, running backs on the roster. One's a Pro Bowl or about to get paid about thirteen million dollars a season, and the other one's going to be starting 
for somebody else next year. I can almost promise you that, or, or mm -hmm. at least doubling his carries. And uh, yeah, at, at this time of the year, Gary, when I, when I have that kind of veteran experience and leadership, I, I'm not sure I'm going to the rookie either. So um, th th this could be a game where you see Jones 18, 20, 22 carries and another a, a dozen from Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon plays three snaps or something like that. And, and I don't think that's a bad strategy, Gary, to, to try to beat the, this particular football team. But, but again, it's those, it's those two inside linebackers in Tampa white and David that just make everything go and absolutely scare the nonsense out of you. If you're a Packer fan. Yeah, so we agree uh, Tampa has the better defensive line. We agree Tampa. That Tampa has the better linebacking core. Yes, what sir. About, what about the secondary? Yeah, that's Green Bay. And it's and again, it's probably not close. Um, Tampa was 21st in the league in pass defense, Gary. Um, good players over there. I mean, as Green Bay mm -hmm. found out in the 38-10 loss down in Tampa earlier this, this year, and you, you saw their guys flying all around the field um, in, in that Saints game. But again, Aaron Rod, there's a huge difference today between Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. But, uh, the, you know, Tampa's solid on the corners. Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting. I think those guys are both solid players. You know, uh, Antoine Winfield, his kid is, um, you know, going to be a, a, a pro bowler. He's a, he's a rookie at one safety. They're solid back there, Gary. They're not special. And Green Bay's got a corner in Alexander who's as good as any in football. Those two safeties right now, the way they've played the last six, eight weeks, can pair up with anybody in football. You know, and Kevin King's a very solid number two corner, and they're fine at slot corner with Sullivan. So, no, Green Bay wins uh, wins by, you know, a TKO probably in the secondary, Gary. All right. So then uh, it's Tampa Bay 2, Packers 1 on the defensive side. And then we got one more group here, the special teams. And I don't even have to ask you who you think is the better special teams. <laughs> I, I think you have uh, chronicled it well uh, during the season, and uh, it's Tampa Bay, correct? <laughs> Here's the thing, Gary. Tampa's every bit as awful as Green Bay oh, on special teams. <laughs> this, this is the shock of the day. I thought no matter as bad as Tampa Bay, I thought you would definitely take Tampa Bay. Gary, I, I hate to do this, but I, <laughs> you, 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 you know, the great Rick Goslin who worked Absolutely. in Dallas all those years, yep. Yep. He, he does this wonderful special teams rankings at the end of every season where he breaks these things down in about 25 or 30 categories and adds up all the points. And then says, this team is first, this team is second. Well, Goslin did those last weekend, uh, last week, Gary green Bay ranked 29th, which I was actually surprised they were that high. Yeah. Tampa was 30th. Wow. So they're both we, pretty bad, Gary. Are, are, bad. Are, we, are we flipping a coin here? Or are you going to pick a, pick a unit? This is where I wanted to go with that push <laughs> <laughs> because if ever there's a push, I mean, what, one of these units is going to do something silly and, and stupid that sets another team up for a short touchdown uh, along the way. I I'll be honest. I, I liked what green Bay did. Um, the other day where they largely just kind of they, they, I, I hate to use the term punt Gary, when it comes to special teams, but at least in the return games, that's, that's kind of what they did. Austin just let a punt go over his head and they said, fine, don't, don't deal with it. They wanted Taylor to stay in the end zone. They were trying to do everything from a special team standpoint, Gary, just not to screw things up and not lose that football game. Um, LaFleur had indicated earlier in the week he might play some starters on special teams. He didn't. 
he didn't go in that direction. But, but what he did is he asked his core guys and his guys in general, don't take any chances. Don't screw this up. We're better on offense. We're better on defense. Don't screw it up from a special team standpoint. Right. Now, so, so based on that, Gary, let's give the nod amazingly to the Packers because our last body of work of watching this, uh, the Tampa Bay special teams was giving up those two remarkably long punt returns in the New Orleans game on, on Sunday. One, uh, one could have been a touchdown, was called back on a questionable flag. One went to about the 15-yard line and set the Saints up with their first three points of the game. Again, Gary, both of these units stink. Um, it, 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 it's, it's an incredibly rare day when anybody there would get the advantage over somebody else. It's the Packers' lucky day because the, 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 the Buccaneers special teams stink even more. Yeah, you know what? One of the uh, priorities of the Packers during the offseason is to find a kick returner. You know, New Orleans lost last week, and I got brain locked at this point as to the name of the player, but who's their special teams guy? He is phenomenal. Um, plays wide receiver. Yeah, I know. Is, is it Smith? Is that his name? I, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm drawing a blank too, Gary. Sorry. But, but I mean, the guy, every time he touched the ball, he thought, hey, he could make something happen. And you know what? The Packers have to go out and find a player like that in the offseason. If they have to use a fifth-round pick or whatever, so be it. You know, somebody that uh, makes them legitimate, you know, in that aspect of the game. Hey, one, one other area uh, I want to throw at you. We, we talked about the offense, defense, special teams. How about coaching? Who yep. are you going to add to? Yep. I, I'd give it to LaFleur. We can't say enough good things about what he's accomplished in in two years, right. With that 28 and seven record, uh, 26, six in the, in the regular season, two and one now in the playoffs a- after the Rams game, um, scheme wise, creativity, motion, getting guys open, um, not asking them strictly to go win one-on-one matchups, finding a way to scheme them open. I thought he got the better of Sean McVay on, uh, on Saturday after Kyle Shanahan had kind of punched him in the mouth a couple times last year, his, his, his good buddy. And um, you know, his his old boss, he came back and I, you know, again, he and Sean McVay are as tight as it gets. And um, I think he, I think he learned some lessons from facing Kyle Shanahan, his good pal last year. And um, I, I, I I think this week or last week um, there, there's no question Lafleur and and what he had dialed up, got the better of, of Sean McVay. And, and certainly Certainly the Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, who's unbelievably well, you know, well thought of. And now he's a head coach. Um, a week ago, he was the Rams defensive coordinator. Now he has a head coaching job. I mean, that that's how highly thought of he was. And, and I think Lafleur got the better of him. Um, the one thing I've noticed about Tampa Gary throughout this year is they are undisciplined. They're a little bit sloppy. They take silly penalties. They do some things that leads you to wonder just the disciplinarians if the disciplinarian side of things with a Bruce Arians coach team is lacking and um, you know I I know it took about half the season for Brady and Arians to get on the same page Um, they seem to be now because they're running mostly Brady's offense on the defensive side of things you're not going to find a better coordinator than Todd Bowles um, who's their defensive coordinator in Tampa. And he, and he's going to throw blitz after blitz after blitz to, to try to get home and, and screw with Aaron Rodgers. But, but Gary top to bottom, I'm going to give a slight edge here to green Bay because I, I like Lafleur quite a bit more than I like Arians. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to agree with that. And uh, as you were speaking, uh, I was looking at uh, a blog that a guy named Jerry Tapp did for uh, my website the other day. And uh, th this guy is like a stats guru. But uh, it, it, this is one stat you might be aware of, though. Uh, last Sunday was the 11th game this season. The Packers have not had a turnover, okay? Get this. If they don't have a turnover in Sunday's game, that is an NFL record for a season. Wow. What, what, what does that say about LaFleur and his coaching staff? I mean, it, it's incredible with discipline that they have, you know, installed in uh, this team. You know, the quarterback has always been remarkably, uh, you know, averse to interceptions and turnovers. He's only got 89 in his career, Gary. But I'm going to throw a stat back at you that should scare Packer fans a little bit. This will be Aaron Rodgers has played in four NFC championship games, Gary. Mm -hmm. He has six touchdown passes, okay? Right. How many interceptions? I'll say 10. Seven. Yeah. Which I, I figured was. I figured there was more interceptions. Yeah, yeah, when you think about it, for Aaron to have more interceptions than touchdowns is is a pretty crazy stat. <laughs> because I think I think in the it's regular not a good rest me there. Yeah, I think in the regular season his his touchdown to interception is like four twelve to eighty nine, which is like four and a half to one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, touchdowns to interceptions, and now and now you're looking in the playoffs where he actually has fewer touchdowns than interceptions in NFC Championship games. That is no. So, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, Gary, on the podcast, and your guy there makes a great point that that's a fantastic stat, and it's, and it's a huge reason why the Packers have won 80% of their games since Matt LaFleur came to town. But the big thing here for Rodgers is he has to be better in this NFC Championship game than he has been in his first four. We've talked about it a lot, Gary. You know, the first two NFC Championship games he played in, 2010 against the Bears, 2014 against Seattle – his passer rating was 55.0 um, for the most part in those, in those two games, 2016 in Atlanta, Gary, they went down in that football game, 31, nothing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and a Packer offense should never be down 31, nothing. So when that game mattered the most Rodgers was shooting blanks. And then last year in, in San Francisco, uh, Rodgers was dreadful in that first half. He had a, he had a passer rating in the first half of 52 and green Bay's down 27, nothing at the break. So Aaron Rodgers has not been good in NFC championship games. And Gary, that, that's probably, a, I wrote it the other day at Forbes and I've written it a few times. It's, it's probably not a story. Most of the state media is going to write or tell this week because you know, it's Aaron Rodgers apologist bill is what it is. Um, but those, those numbers are telling. And um, those, those numbers in, in the biggest games of his life have not been very good. And, and for green Bay to go to the super bowl, for Aaron Rodgers to get the better of Tom Brady, he has to be dramatically, dramatically better than he's been in his first four NFC title games. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. One more stat, Rob. <laughs> also, all, also from uh, Jerry Tapp's latest book. Hey, we could go all day, Gary. Yeah, we sure could. Um, Rodgers has been in nine playoff games, okay? What do you think the Packers' record is when he throws one interception or more? Wait, Rodgers has been in how many playoff games? Well, I, no, I, I, let me rephrase it. What he says, Green Bay is blank, blank in playoff games and Rodgers has one or more interception. Okay. So if he's throwing an interception, what is their record? 
In, there were in there were nine games in which he has thrown at least one interception. Or oh, okay, nine games. Sure, okay. Sorry, so sorry for the wording in there. Yeah. No, no, no. So Rogers is eleven and eight in the playoffs now. He's had nineteen yeah. games uh, in the playoffs. So in those nine games where he's thrown a pick, I'm going to guess one and eight, Gary. Very good. Two and seven. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. one interception. Boom. Right. Right. So, uh, something, something to watch Sunday. He, he's got to be careful again. That, that, that's a fantastic stat because we saw Tampa get him twice earlier in the season. He uh, shockingly Gary, right before halftime in that Rams game, he took a couple of shots to the end zone that could have been intercepted. And, yes, he did. And, and that was very, yep. yeah, that was very Aaron Rodgers uh, like in, in the fact that he threw into coverage like that twice and was taking some chances. I actually kind of liked it personally because I've always, I've always been a Favre guy, as you know, and I, I wish Aaron would take more chances at times, but those two were probably a little too risky. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what his mentality is. And, and um, you know, if, if, if he can play better on Sunday than he has in his past trips to the NFC title game. And, and I heard Favre's the racial guy. <laughs> he told me that last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All righty. Hey, uh, speaking of last week, remember when I, I told you I had uh, had a text exchange with a, with an AFC scout? And yes. He gave me the lowdown. And right at the top, he was talking about how they had to blitz the crap out of the pack, uh, out of the Rams, he said with Gary and Smith. And that's exactly what they did. He also made a comment that he felt Jenkins would uh, hold up just fine against Aaron Donald, and he certainly did that. So, of course, I had to go back for more this week and uh, texted him last night and uh, asked him, you know, his thoughts on Sunday's game between the Packers and the Bucks. And he, here's what he had to say. His opening line was, Green Bay needs to slow down the Bucks' run game with Burnett and Jones. And then he goes, the Packers have the secondary to counter the Bucks' passing game. Chris Barnes needs a big game. Gap discipline. Then he goes on to say Green Bay's outside rush should be hard to handle. Bucks offensive tackles average. This game will come down to late possessions. And he goes, believe it or not, Mason Crosby should play a big role. Can't miss a field goal. I might add, can't miss an extra point as well. Right. <laughs> and then he goes, Tampa Bay's linebackers are much better than the Rams. Might have the best duo in the league in White and David. I'm rambling, but this game will come down to a damn field goal. <laughs> Interesting. I've said it all along. I've had 50 phone calls or texts, Gary, since Saturday night when, when Green Bay, or since Sunday night when Tampa won. People asking me who's going to win. Um, like somehow I have the answer, right? And because, because if I did, I'd be in Vegas um, or at least in Illinois. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more, Gary. It's a field goal game. I, it's 24 all late in the game and we'll see who has the football and somebody's going to drive and, and win the game. This isn't going to be 38-10. This isn't going to be 32-18 like Green Bay rolled over the Rams last week. This isn't going to be uh, Tampa 30, Saints 20. This game is tied with five minutes to go, Gary, and I think this entire state is freaking out and 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 losing their collective minds because they know this might be the last great chance they have with this particular quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, Green Bay is going to look dramatically different a year from now. I still insist by 2022, we are looking at Jordan Love playing quarterback in, in Green Bay due to financial reasons. 
And, and if that all happens, Gary, if that in, indeed is the case, I mean, this, you could argue that this is as big of a game as Aaron Rodgers has ever been in. Um, obviously the Super Bowl is clearly number one right now, but Gary, if, if he can win this game and get back to a second Super Bowl, his entire legacy changes. If he wins a second Super Bowl, we've talked about it before his entire legacy changes. If he loses this game to Tom Brady, finishes his career with only one trip to the Super Bowl, he's just, he's part of a big pond of guys that have one trip to the Super Bowl and one Super Bowl championship. If, if these next two or three weeks go the way he desires and the Packers and Packer nation desire Aaron Rodgers for, you know, for the rest of time will be viewed differently by NFL historians. It's really just that simple. This is where legacies are made. And um, you know, the next two games are as big as Aaron Rodgers will, will ever play in obviously starting with Sunday and then, you know, potentially against the chiefs or, or bills in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Say, uh, we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday, so some people might not be listening to this until later in the week, but uh, Mason Crosby got dinged up in the game on, on Sunday. Have you heard anything on his status? You know, he finished the game. It, you know, it had nothing to do with the leg, right? It was, it was kind of his shoulder or his right. arm just just kind of hanging there gingerly when it, when it was hanging dinged. there, Rob, man, it yes, didn't it look was. good. Was, no, I, but specifically to your question, Gary, no, um, I, I certainly expect he will kick because he kicked in the second half of that game and, and, and did he make a field goal? Yeah. No, he made the field goal right before half. That's right. To go up 19, mm-hmm. 10, exactly. um, on, on the, on the final play of the half. And even then Gary, he was dinged. So, um, you know, and he did make his extra point in the, you know, after the, the Lazar touchdown in the fourth quarter. I, I can't imagine a guy like Crosby who's been there since 07 and understands, you know, how rare these opportunities are, just the magnitude of this game. I, I can't imagine he's not on the field. What I could see, Gary, and they tried this starting the second half, um, you know, maybe you see the punter turns into, you know, the, the, the kickoff specialist come Sunday and, and they give Crosby a break there where, where Scott handles kickoffs. Um, but again, we're only Tuesday. Let's see how the week plays out. But I, I, again, I, I would be shocked if Mason Crosby somehow had to miss this football game. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well. Let's, uh, Rob, spend a few minutes talking about the, uh, AFC showdown between Kansas city and Buffalo and, uh, the chiefs obviously are the defending champions and clearly have been the team to beat from day one this season. But uh, Mahomes suffered a concussion in Sunday's game, and his fate is, uh, you know, still a little shaky. I would assume he's going to play, but if he doesn't play, that changes the uh, complexion of this game greatly. Yeah, I, I think I saw whatever stats and information department crunched the numbers. It gave the Chiefs about a 70% chance to win with Mahomes and about a 30% chance to win. Uh, Gary without him. And I even think that 30 is high uh, based on the way, you know, Chad Henney threw the ball um, the other day. I I know he got a ton of credit for that late fourth down conversion where he, where he hit Hill out in the flat and um, you know, Andy Reid gets, gets the award for the biggest kahunas in the, in the history of football for the, for that play call the other day, Gary. But uh, um, yeah, I I'm with you. I I'd be stunned if Mahomes doesn't play it, it, Gary, if, you know, if you went back and you watched that closely, it was, 
you know, he, he almost got like horse collared or roped around the neck when they, when they brought him to the ground, it wasn't a helmet to helmet. It wasn't, you know, a, a smash, so to say to the head, it, it was almost like he got lassoed and, and brought to the ground, uh, you know, by, you know, via his neck. And, and I saw Andy Reid say something on Monday that, you know, had, had this been 10 or 20 years ago, Patrick Mahomes probably goes back in that football game, um, <laughs> exactly. which, which shows you where we are, you know, in, in, in terms of football today versus where we used to be. I, I mean, I can guarantee you Brett Favre wouldn't, would have never left the field, um, and, you know, after, after a hit like that, Gary. So, um, no, again, with, with everything on the line, with the Chiefs trying to repeat, uh, knowing that trying to get by a really good Buffalo team without your quarterback, the odds of that aren't great. Um, you, you put it all together. They will do everything possible to get Mahomes on the football field. I would think he plays. Um, Gary, what was almost more concerning to me though, and, and, and I get it, the, the brain injury, the concussion is enormous, but, but his foot also wasn't right. Mm. And um, you know, if you watched him early in that game, I, you know, I know the chiefs jumped to a big lead. I think it was 19 three at one point or something like that. Um, he was not planting well. He, he was not stepping into throws that he was very ginger with that foot. Um, which again, I, I didn't understand particularly why he was running and in, in trying to escape pressure at the time when, when he got knocked out of that football game, because with his foot kind of, kind of in disarray, the last thing he needed to do was, was take off and run on that foot. But um, that would be another injury to, to chronicle or watch closely. Gary is, is not just the head injury, but the foot injury, but assuming he plays, I think Kansas city has too much, um, you know, Buffalo's best running back is the quarterback that they, they, they can't run the ball. And I know the chiefs don't do a very good job anyhow of stopping the run. Um, but Buffalo, Buffalo is equally inept at running as the chiefs are in terms of stopping the run. I just, I think Kansas city has too much offense there. Uh, kudos to Buffalo for getting as far as they did Gary, but I think they're a year or two away from, uh, from knocking the chiefs off their pedestal. You know, Rob, uh, you look at the four teams that are still standing and you expected the Packers to get there. You expected the Bucks to get there. At least you, you thought they had a legitimate shot. And you certainly expected the, the Chiefs to still be standing. But I don't think a lot of people thought Buffalo was going to make it this far. I, I really thought they were going to come up short. So, you know, kudos to that team. Gary, what's crazy, too, I mean, if, if I asked you two weeks ago as the year was winding down, List, list for me the top four quarterbacks in the league yeah. in, in, in 2020, you probably would have put in some order, right? Rogers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. Um, maybe Russell Wilson sneaks in there. He maybe would have been the only other one. Um, but here we are on championship weekend and you have the four best quarterbacks remaining. It Again, it just goes back to show you um, if, if you don't have one of these guys, you're, you face an uphill climb to get to this point uh, to get to this point in the season, because I have a hunch Gary, when the MVP votes come out, th these will be four of your top five finishers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, disagree with that at all. You know, Rob, we're uh, well into overtime here with this podcast. You know, can you imagine if that Packer game went into overtime? That'd be awesome. Huh? I mean, wow. last time we saw, Last time we saw that at Lambeau, uh, Gary was, was there. When, they, when they hosted the <laughs> NFC title game that year, right? So, yes, yes. Yeah, no one around here wants to remember that one. <laughs> no, that, that, that was an unbelievable moment. But, uh, hey, we, we're still going in overtime, and we can't end until we deliver our parting shots. You want to go first, or should I? 
No, I, I can certainly go. Okay. Um, so, so Gary, th- this will be Green Bay's fifth trip to the NFC Championship game since 2010. And, and I know there's – if you put on talk radio or, or listen to your neighbor or the postman or anything like that, Gary – you get a lot of belly aching in this state. You know, they haven't won enough Super Bowls. They haven't, they, why can't they get over the hump, this and that. Um, Gary, since 2010, the Packers have been to five NFC title games now. The 49ers, four is second place. Atlanta and Arizona um, are, are at two and Seattle as well. What they have done is, is pretty impressive, okay? And, and you can't take anything away five out of 11 years. I, I, I think is, is outstanding, mm-hmm. but Gary, there are only two guys on this football team with championship rings, Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby, each one, one in, um, in, in 2010, nobody else remains from that 2010 roster. And, and, and that's certainly not uncommon that that happened 10 years ago, but they have a ton of guys, Gary, who have faced a, a seen a lot of disappointment in, in NFC championship games. Um, you know, for, for example, take Corey Lindsley. Okay. He's been in the league seven years, Gary. He's been to four NFC championship games now. Um, and he's never been to a Super Bowl. Okay. This will be his fourth one coming up on, on Sunday, four out of seven years. That's 57% Gary. That's a, that's a pretty dang good percentage for any player to see to, to hit an NFC championship game. You know, I asked Lindsley on, on Saturday night, Gary, you know, is it time to get to a Super Bowl? And he said, um, the level of urgency is definitely heightened the desire and everything. It's not like it wasn't there before, but this is a big one for all of us. Uh, Kenny Clark, Gary in year five, he's already in his third NFC championship game again, which, which is amazing, but he's never been to a super bowl. Um, he told me the other night, I was telling all my teammates, we got to kick the door down on this one. This is my third one. Guys don't even get to one. We just have to give it our everything on, on game day. We've been there before. Um, a lot of guys don't get a chance uh, to go to three NFC championship games ever. Hopefully this third one is a charm. My point through all this, Gary, is they have an entire new generation of players that have the close but no cigar tag. They haven't gotten over the hump. Everything lines up perfectly for this team to go ahead and do it. It's going to be lousy weather. It's at Lambeau Field. They're probably the better team top to bottom. They need Aaron Rodgers to be the best player on the field. The rest of them need to do their jobs. And, and if that all happens, Gary, they're going to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in a decade. It's long overdue. They've had a lot of heartbreak um, over the last, over the last decade or so 2014 Seattle, 2011, the New York giants, um, Arizona in the playoffs in 15. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of heartbreaking playoff losses um, everything sets up for this next generation of players and for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, Gary, to go to the Super Bowl. Very good parting shot there, Rob. My parting shot has been a pet peeve of mine, Rob, seemingly forever. I mean, forever. The Dallas Cowboys are not America's team. Let me repeat the Dallas Cowboys are not America's team. Uh, the catchy nickname surfaced in 1978. Were you even born then, Rob? Oh, absolutely, Gary. I, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, I, I, I was well in elementary school. Oh, boy. <laughs> but anyways, this, this is back in 1978, and the Cowboys had a uh, team highlight film, right? And the narrator, of course, is the one and only John Facenda. 
And he opened the film with the following introduction, quote, I wish I had Pacenda's voice. They appear on television so often that their faces are as familiar to the public as presidents and movie stars. They are the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Well, <laughs> America's team may have been appropriate uh, nickname at that time, but it certainly isn't now. The cow Cowboys are just a run-of-the-mill team. They have been for more than two decades. The last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl was 1996, 25 years ago. It was also the last time the Cowboys even made the Super Bowl. In the meantime, uh, the, since 1969, the Packers have won two Super Bowls and been to three of them. Also, since the Cowboys' last NFC championship appearance that same season, the Packers have been to seven NFC championship games. Sunday will be the eighth. That by itself should tell you that the Cowboys aren't America's team. But there's more. The Packers have won more NFL championships teams than any team. And it isn't close. The Packers have won 13 NFL championships. The Cowboys aren't even second. The New York Giants and the Chicago Bears share that distinction. Each of them has won eight NFL titles. And the Cowboys aren't even the fourth team on the list of NFL teams with the most NFL titles either. Pittsburgh and Washington have six. The Cowboys, they have five. And again, none in the last 25 years. America's team? No, it's definitely not the Cowboys. It's the Green Bay Packers. Amen. <laughs> not, not too shabby, my friend. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's incredible. You know, the, the greatest football team in, in the history of the NFL and yep. not America's team. I, I, it, it's been mind-boggling to me forever how they got that moniker. My only thought was television ratings, but uh, I know Green, uh, Green Bay is a, a remarkable draw themselves. So, nope, you're, again, Gary, you're spot on. Well, Rob, I know it's hard to believe, but uh, we went into double overtime with this <laughs> podcast, but it was fun. I mean, really fun, and I thought it was terrific. And uh, thanks again, Rob, for your insights, and thanks so much to our listeners. All the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.